Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Well, let's pray. Father, we do come to you now, Lord, with our eyes, our spiritual eyes. Lord, we ask you to open our eyes. Lord, open our eyes so that we can see wonderful things in your scriptures about your wonderful counselor in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, if you would uh, please turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 118. 1 Corinthians 118 is going to be the text that we're going to use to consider and uh it's a, it's a very interesting verse that speaks about the cross, and it says, 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but to us that are saved, it's the power of God. We're just going to focus now, just in a few moments, on this one word, this very important word, which is not even the word that's in there. It's the word preaching. But it's not the word, because the word preaching there is the Greek word logos. So it's really the word word. So to re, to, to rephrase 1 Corinthians 1.18 with that, we would better read it. For the word of the cross is to them that are perishing foolishness, but unto us that are being saved, it's the power of God. The cross is the word, is a word. The cross is a message. And in this country, when, when, when the, when the condemned are executed, our government makes, goes to great lengths to make sure that the, the method of execution is both, both, both not cruel and it's not uh, inhumane. But in this day, when the executed, when the, when the condemned were executed, the focus was to make sure that it was the most cruel and the most inhumane that it could possibly be. The cross is really the epitome of cruelty and brutality and inhumanity for an execution. It was designed to be that way. And so the Lord Jesus Christ is called in John one twenty nine, the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. So there's a statement there. And the statement is telling us when he says it's the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world, the statement there is that he died for the sins of the, of every person of the whole world. The cross makes a clear statement that we are all sinners. Solomon, King Solomon put it this way. He said in 2 Chronicles 6.36, speaking about people who would sin and then turn and pray toward Jerusalem, he said, if they sin against thee, for there is no man that sinneth not. 
There is no man which sinneth not. So the first word of the cross, the first statement of the cross, the first logos of the cross is that we've all sinned. We've all sinned. And when we realize, we look at the cross and we realize that that was the right punishment for our sins, then we realize our sins were really, really bad. Job put it this way. Job said in Job 15, 16, abominable and filthy is man, which drinketh iniquity like water. The word abominable is the same Hebrew word that's used in Isaiah 14, 19. In Isaiah 14, 19, it says, but thou art cast out of thy grave like an abominable. Our sins, our sins were not just white lies. They weren't just white lies. They were as horrible as rotting corpse in a grave. That's the description of our sins, like a rotting corpse in a grave. If our sins deserve the punishment of the cross, then our sins were really, really bad. And as Isaiah put it this way, Isaiah 64, 6, but we are all as an unclean thing and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags and we all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have just taken us away, taken us away. We are all, he says, as an unclean thing and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Filthy rags, old, bloody, putrid rags. And that's a description of all of our righteousnesses. All of our righteousnesses are like that. Not just our bad days, but our good days. And it, what happened at the cross is described for us in Isaiah 53, 6, when it says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. When it says that, when the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all, it's got a very special Hebrew word, paga, there that's used where the word laid, is translated laid, is the word paga. And here's what, here's how, here's what paga means when you look at it in Exodus 23, 4. Exodus 23, 4. If thou, paga, if thou meet, thine enemy's ox or his ass going astray, then thou shalt br- surely bring it back again. This word paga means meat. It means meat. So when it says in Isaiah 53, 6, this word, it would be like this. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord made to meet on him the iniquity of us all. Just think about that. Think about all the sins that every man has ever done. Think of the sins that have been consciously pushed out of sight, that have been consciously forgotten, that have been buried, that have been, that have just been turned away from. And now all of those sins resurrect, so to speak, out of grave, but not, but they converge on one person, the Lord Jesus Christ, for him to carry. All of our sins met together on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then it was as if we say, okay, now he's bearing all the sins of the world, so what should he do? Hold out his hand so it can be slapped? That, that, is that the punishment from that man's sins deserved? Just a slap on the hand? No. 
All of our sins were so bad that it took this horrible, horrible debt on the cross for our sins to be paid for. It just shows how bad our sins really were. So the first two statements of the cross, the first two logos, the first two words of the cross are, the first one is, we've all sinned. The second one is, our sins are really bad. They're horrible. Now, when we look at Isaiah 53, at first we see verses, when you stand back and look at it, you see verses that describe a person. A person who is described as tremendously suffering. A person whose description is like an accumulation of all kinds of painful words that are, that are accumulated together in Isaiah 53. Words such as griefs and sorrows in verses three through four. Words such as despised and rejected in verse three. Words such as wounded and bruised and beaten and punished in verse five. Words such as oppressed and afflicted in verse seven. And yet, when we see in Isaiah 53, that the one who is despised and rejected and wounded and bruised and beaten and punished and oppressed and afflicted, that person is described for us in verse 2 as being tender. In verse, He's described in verse 7 as being submissive, as being silent, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And we see that he is, in verse 9, not violent, that he's truthful, and then in verse 11, that he is righteous. So the immediate question is, with a description like that, is why? Why? What's the cause of this tender, submissive, silent, lamb-like, peaceful, truthful, righteous person to be treated this way? Why should he be the man of sorrows and griefs who's despised and rejected and wounded and bruised and beaten, and punished, and oppressed. Why? And that's when we see the shocking truth that everything terrible that happened to him can be traced back to our sins, and our transgressions, and our iniquities, and everything we've ever done. Just when we think that it was very sad what happened to him, and we're riveted on the history that this was just a historical thing that other people did to him. That's when these words of our and we jump out at us from Isaiah 53. In verse 4, when it says, He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. In verse 5, He was wounded with our transgressions. He was bruised with our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. In verse 6, All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. So when it says in Isaiah 53, 4, surely the Lord hath borne our griefs, our griefs, the word there that's used for griefs, koli, it means sicknesses. He's borne our sicknesses. Surely the Lord has borne our sicknesses. That's what sin is. Sin is a sickness of the soul. And we see in Isaiah 53 that he didn't just bear our sins so that he could say, okay, now I'm qualified to sympathize. He didn't do it just to sympathize with our sins. He didn't, he didn't do it so that he could, he, 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 he could under, he could know what we are feeling. 
He did it to bear the consequences of our sins. He took the judgment. He took the punishment. He took what we deserved for our sins. He bore the consequences for our sins, and he didn't commit those sins. And so what we see in Isaiah 53 is that the the judgment blow was aimed only at him. It focused down only on him. He's the person who's the only person who is suffering and dying for our sins. Everyone knows that judgment for sin is going to fall on the sinner. Everybody knows that. But no one imagines that the judgment for my sin, the judgment for your sin, the judgment for the sin of the world would be focused down on one person, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the description of all the consequences of the judgment, they're described here by what he suffered. You know, it says there, one of the judgments, or we know one of the judgments was a judgment of the sword, and he is described as wounded or pierced as with the sword. Another judgment was to be stoned to death, and he's described as one who is bruised as being stoned. Another judgment is to be beaten, and he's described as one who receives stripes. And when it says in verse 5 that he was wounded and bruised and, and had stripes, it describes all the forms of judgment for sin that he took for us. Isaiah 53 is the word of the cross. It is the message of the cross. It states facts. It states statements. It states the fact of, re- of atonement. But Isaiah 53 doesn't make any explanation for how this atonement would be. It just states the fact of the atonement. And what's so amazing, what's so amazing to us in Isaiah 53 is how the Lord Jesus Christ is presented. He's presented as the servant whose only role was to suffer. That's the, that, that is the presentation in Isaiah 53. He's presented as the servant whose only role is there to suffer. He's not presented as as a teacher. He's not presented as a prophet. He's not presented as an example for us to follow in Isaiah 53. He's not presented as a leader to follow. He is presented in Isaiah 53 as a servant whose only role is to suffer. The word of the cross is that the Lord Jesus Christ suffered and died for our sins. That's a third word of the cross. Now, from Isaiah 53, we can see why he suffered. Because it says in verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. It says further in verse 10, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. It was God who brought all the suffering on the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we look at this brutality, this awful brutality that he went through at the cross, we can conclude that the cross was, we we might want to conclude, we might want to say, well, the cross was from man. It was from man. It was from evil men. It's just a really, really bad Roman people or whatever you want to say that, that did that. And God had nothing to do with it. That's not the presentation at all. Because what it says 
in Isaiah 53 in those verses is also confirmed in Romans 8.32. Romans 8.32, which says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. In Isaiah 53, we see from all the suffering from sin, the tremendous wrath of God that fell against sin. And the wrath of God against sin is harsh. It's harsh. If anyone would ever think that God is just going to excuse sin and just say, well, okay, let's just forget about sin. We can live happily ever after together. I'll overlook the sin of man, and we'll just go on and have a great happy future. If anybody ever thinks that, sin must be judged, and it's seen as judged at the cross. It must be judged with unimaginable wrath, not just a slap on the hand. And so it says in Ezekiel 18.20, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. The wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. So the fourth word of the cross is that God's wrath falls on sin with severity, with harshness. Now, we ask the question, why? Why did God do this? Why did he do this? Why did God make his only beloved son to suffer like this for our sins? And the answer comes again from Isaiah 53 and verse 8. Isaiah 53, 8. He was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people was he stricken. That's it. That simple statement of God explains why he did this to his son. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. It was with a deep pain in God's heart. God was pained in his heart. And he concluded, as he thought, there's no other way for a man to be saved than for, than except God the Son, his only begotten Son, should come to earth, the perfect man, suffer and die for the sins of man. Love found a way. God's love found a way to rescue us from our sins. And it was through the sacrifice of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he knew, he knew that he was sent to earth to suffer and die because of love. And that's the background to when he speaks about himself as being sent in John 3.16 and says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's him. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the sixth word of the cross. That's the sixth message of the cross. The love of God for man. The sixth word of the cross is God loved man, and he gave his son to die for our sins. Then we see in Isaiah 53.10, it says, It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He's put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. God said about this great sacrifice gift in verse 10, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. Im tashem asham nefsho. Im, literally it says, if you make his soul your offering for your guilt, literally. The most important word there in that phrase is im, if. If. This is an if affair. The great sacrifice comes with an if. It's up to each person 
to take God's gift of this great sacrifice. It's not automatic. It doesn't come automatic. This is the seventh logos of the cross, the seventh word of the cross, the seventh message of the cross, which is that the cross is an invitation. It's an invitation, as he said, as the Lord Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Matthew eleven twenty eight, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The seventh word of the cross is an invitation to come. But this leaves the question as to what happens to those who don't accept his invitation to come. And that's told to us in Revelation 20, verse 15. Revelation 20, verse 15. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And in Mark 9, Mark 9, 43, where he speaks about going into hell, into the fire, which never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. In Matthew 8, 12, it speaks about being cast into outer darkness, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. So this is the eighth message of the cross. This is the eighth word of the cross. It's the eighth logos of the cross. It is that to reject this great offer is to reject the great gift, is to be cast into hell into unimaginable eternal suffering. That's the eighth message of the cross, which is to reject God's salvation gift is to have no escape. There is no escape, as it says in Hebrews 2.3, Hebrews 2.3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first we began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? So what we've seen here is eight words of the cross, eight messages from the cross. The first is all, all men have sinned. The second message is sins, our sins are horrible. The third message is The Lord Jesus Christ suffered and died for our sins. The fourth fourth message is, it was God that made the Lord Jesus Christ to suffer and die for our sins. The fifth message is, the wrath of God is harsh, it's severe. The sixth message is, the Lord, the God made the Lord Jesus Christ to be our sacrifice because of love, because of his love. And the seventh message is of the cross, there's an invitation. God invites all to receive this salvation gift of the Lord Jesus Christ suffering and dying for our sins. And the last message of the cross is to reject God's gift of salvation is to have no escape from hell. Let's fix in our minds how grateful we are for what God did for us by sending his son as we see him there in Isaiah 53, for the sole purpose of suffering and dying for our sins. Let's pray. Father, do help us now as we, as we come to the table to come, Lord, with a new offering of thanks and praise and thanksgiving to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. 
Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711-330, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Do you have fatigue or trouble getting out of bed or just getting through the day? Are you so tired you can't focus? Do you feel like your life is drained away? Do you have fibromyalgia headaches? I have good news for you. Our doctors at Scanabody's Imaging and Therapy can give you cellular ozone therapy. Why not get your energy back now by calling us at 1-888-529-9016 or visit us at treatmyfatigue.com. 